if you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, Nehemiah is back there in the Old Testament, just a little bit before the book of Psalms. Uh, as a matter of fact, it goes Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and then Psalms. Uh, and so anyways, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, page 494 in my Bible, if that helps you any. So, I was going to start at verse 4, and that's really where my text for the sermon today is going to come from, is 4 through 11. But let's just go ahead and start at the beginning, at verse 1, and read that whole chapter, okay? So, Nehemiah, chapter 1. Verse 1 says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of... I don't know what his dad's name was, but... Yeah, that sounds good. And it came to pass in the, in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the, pal the palace, then Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, verse 4 begins his prayer through almost the end of the chapter. Or verse, verse 5, I mean. Verse 5, and said, this is his prayer, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes uh, open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, uh, though there were of you Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of, of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them uh, unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you one more time here this morning. 
We thank you, Lord, for the good day and the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your word that we've read here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather here. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you poured out on us. But we thank you most of all this morning for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, we're not worthy, and we know that. But, Lord, uh, you've done it anyways. And so, Lord, let us always be a people with praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And, Lord, I pray as we go forward here this morning, Lord, that you would just have your way and your will here in our midst. God, that you would show up and do what only you can do here. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our needs. You know where we fall short. Lord, there is nothing here this morning that is hidden from you, nothing that you do not know or see. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you would just move in a mighty way. God, that you would do show up and do what only you can do here this morning. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, those that need to be lifted up, those that need to be encouraged, those that need a healing touch from you, uh, whatever the need might be, God, that's my prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would meet those needs and that you would touch them and lift them up and encourage them, Lord God. And I pray also, Lord, for any of us, Lord, that have let anything creep into our heart and into our life, uh, anything that we've let dwell in our minds, Lord, that uh, come between us and you, anything that causes separation uh, in, our, in our relationship with you and our walk with you, anything that would hinder us in serving you, Lord, if there is anything uh, that, we've, uh, that we've let in there, God, I pray, Lord, that you would convict us of it. Lord, that you'd bring it to our attention, Lord, so we could repent of it and get it out of the way before it's everlasting too late. And Lord, I know that we've all fallen short. And I know that every one of us, there's times, lots of times where we could have done a lot better than what we have. I know in my own self, I know even in preparing for this sermon this morning, I could have done so much better than what I've done. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is, Lord, forgive us of where we fall short, Lord. Uh, help us, Lord, to strive to be uh, the people that you've called us to be, Lord. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in everything that we say and that we do. And, Lord, my prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would just continue, Lord, uh, to bless the going forward of your word here this morning. And my prayer is, is that you'd clear my mind of everything uh, but your message, your thoughts, your words, Lord, that you'd place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say, Lord, because my heart's desire uh, is to be nothing more than your messenger here this morning, to deliver your word faithfully, just exactly how you would have it to be. And Lord, if there is any among us that don't know you, any that are lost and undone, God, let today be the day that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So God, have your way and your will. Moved by your sweet Holy Spirit, fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm praying for your anointing, your holy unction. And God, have your way in the remainder of our service and we'll give you all the glory because we love you, we worship you, and we praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. As the last thing I read to you, after the end of Nehemiah's prayer, he makes a note of letting us know who he was. He was in a special position, right? He says, for I was the king's cupbearer. Uh, that gives him a, um, a unique position. So he is the cupbearer uh, of the king of Persia. That gives him access to the king that most people would not have. 
And so from reading this chapter, we see that he is the cupbearer of the king, at the very least in the winter uh, palace uh, of the king of Persia. And this winter palace is in a place known as Shushan. And and while he is there, the word tells us that he has received um, a delegation, I guess you could say, a group of men coming back that has returned uh, from Jerusalem. And when he asks them, or when he sees them when they return, he asks them, now this is Nehemiah, Nehemiah asks them about the conditions there. In other words, he asks them, how are things back in Jerusalem? Now remember, I guess... The word that he gets is not good. As a matter of fact, the the report that he receives from them is very troubling. He hears that the people of God are in despair, that they are in great reproach. He hears the walls around the city have been broken down, that the gates uh, uh, for the entrance to the city have been completely destroyed and been burned. Right? And Nehemiah's heart is broken. And in that brokenness, he is greatly 
moved to prayer. Now, Nehemiah, we see, well, let me say this. In the book of Nehemiah, it records for us a great miracle. In this miracle that is recorded in the book, the, the miracle is about how God uses Nehemiah and a small group of people to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem and, re, and set the gates in record-breaking time. But what I want to say is the key to this miracle, right, the behind-the-scenes activity that is taking place that I would even go so far as to say that brought about this miracle is Nehemiah's prayers, right? You've heard it before, and it's so true. Behind every great work of God, there is a kneeling figure, right? This kneeling figure is someone who has learned how to get in touch with God through prayer. And prayer is, let me tell you something, is the key to uh, every success in any work of God. And so through the book of Nehemiah, uh, if I counted right, I went through yesterday and tried to count them all up, I counted 14 times we see Nehemiah praying. In 13 chapters, we see him praying 14 times. The two great prayers that we have at length is in chapter 1 that I read to you this morning, and then in chapter 9. But in 14 different places, it talks about Nehemiah or mentions Nehemiah praying. You don't see that anywhere else in the Bible with anybody else. You do not see them. It doesn't mention them praying that much. And to me, and of course, we know we prayed a ton of times. So it's not even mentioned there. But for it to mention it that many times, that tells me that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Now, when Nehemiah heard the troubling report, verse 4 says that he sat down, that he wept, that he mourned, that he fasted, and that he prayed. Listen to me. God's people are not helpless in the midst of their problems, all right? In the midst of trouble, they are not helpless, right? God's people have a mighty weapon, and that weapon is prayer. Hear me this morning, right? God's people can pray. God's people should be a praying people. In Nehemiah's prayer here in chapter 1 that I've read to you is one of the great prayers of, of the scriptures, right? In fact, when you read that Nehemiah prayed, you can actually learn how to, how to pray, right? You learn how to approach God, what to do, what to ask, right? And for when there, in all of this is for when there is a, well, in this case, it's an example of when there's trouble. So I want to point out to you, of course, I'm not saying that there, that's the only time that you should pray. We should always pray. But I do want to point out to you this morning, this morning, I think we can look at this prayer and we can see three elements, three aspects, three parts to this prayer that I think would benefit us, right? Um, I, I think that we can always benefit by learning more about prayer and, and becoming more of a prayer, praying people. So the first thing that I want to point out to you, and, and I don't know what word to use for this, uh, but his prayer starts with praise. 
um, adoration might be a better word, which means great respect and love. But it's also, there's an element to that, to the first part of the prayer, that is a recognition, right? A, a vocal recognition to God of who God is. Did you notice when we were reading this in verse 5 that he says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. You know, that sounds very similar to me uh, to what Jesus, when Jesus taught us to pray and what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer when he says, Our Father which art in heaven. Right? That, that sounds kind of similar to me. I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. Right? The prayer is filled with adoration, right? With great respect, with love, right? He calls, when he refers to God, he calls him the great and terrible God. Now, terrible uh, doesn't mean we use the word terrible and think of bad, you know, awful. That's not what terrible means here. Terrible means awesome, awe-inspiring. Okay, and so he's calling him the great and awesome God, right? And so Nehemiah is approaching God in adoration. He's approaching him in praise, in a worshipful state, right? And approaching him in recognition of who God is. That he is the creator uh, of the heavens and earth, right? That he is the uh, omnipotent God, the all-powerful. He is the only true and living God. Not one of many, but the only one, right? He is the God that didn't just happen to be uh, around and take control or power over a dumb group of people on this little planet. He is the maker and the creator and the sustainer. He is the one that holds it, right? Have you ever thought about that before? Is this thing, um, I can't remember the numbers, I, I used to at one time could rattle them off, but it, it, this, this little ball that is flying around the sun, right? Uh, and here we are, we're spinning while we're flying around the sun. I forget now, that's what I was trying to remember. I can't remember how fast it is, but it's quite fast that we're moving around. And here we are, we're in this perfect place in this perfect orbit. And you ever thought about it? If we were a little bit closer, right, it would be so hot, everything would burn up, things wouldn't live and survive, and if it was a little farther away, it would freeze over. Do you really think, right? I mean, we'd live on a giant ice cube. Do you really think, right, that all of this is by chance, by accident? It just happened to happen the way that it did by some, by some crazy chance, right, of odds of one and incalculable. No, absolutely not. God is the sustainer of the earth and the universe and you and I and everything is held in place by what we, what we call, how we say it, is the hand of God, which creates a great image. God holds everything right there in his hand. And it, when you think about that, it doesn't even seem right. That great and that mighty of a God who has created everything, not only everything that you see, but everything that you don't see. Not only everything that we know about, but everything that we don't know about also. The God who has no beginning and no end, who always has been. The God who knows even our most secret, innermost thoughts and intents of our heart. The God who is limitless. It doesn't even seem right that somebody like me or you who are 
nothing in comparison can approach such a God. We have no right to come before Him and ask anything of Him. But yet God tells us to do that very thing and to cast our cares upon Him. Do you ever stop and think about it? The very God that you are calling out to and crying out to. And many of us, like a child who does not get their way and throws a temper tantrum, we'll get mad at God when things don't go the way that we think they ought to go. Do you know how many times I've heard people say because something they perceived as tragic, or maybe it was tragic, has happened, right? And they're mad at, and they're mad at God and going to rebel against God because they feel like God didn't answer their prayer when really, honestly, here we are, this insignificant speck. We don't have a clue. There's no way we can see the whole picture. A God that powerful, that mighty, and that big. And yet we can freely, the Bible tells us, boldly approach His throne, the throne of grace. I think we need to stop and think about that before we, before we start to pray the next time. Just exactly who it is that we're talking to. And, and I don't say any of that to discourage you from prayer. Quite the opposite. My intent is to encourage you to pray even more. That God has given you that kind of access. Look at the, look at the symbolism here, okay? We have got Nehemiah, the cupbearer for the king. The king of Persia, most powerful per, person in the Persian Empire at that time. And it could be argued might be the most powerful single person on the face of the earth, at least politically speaking, at that point in time. Because the Persian Empire is the world of power at that time. Greek Empire is coming, is up and coming. And in 110 years or so, they're going to be the power. But they're not yet. And do you see, do you see what is happening here? It's pointed out to us. That one, and one way you can look at it and you can say how lucky, how fortunate it is that Nehemiah, because Nehemiah is getting ready, if you don't know the rest of the book, he's going to go back, um, and I've already said one of the great miracles of the, of the Bible is they rebuild the walls and set the gates in 52 days. Couldn't be done, but yet they got it done. It was because of God. But anyways, you know, we see this, and we see he goes back, he gets worship reestablished, he gets things lined out, and going there in Jerusalem like there, like there should be, things are kind of set up and set in, you know, kind of set in order, I guess you would say. He's getting ready to do this mighty in, in, this, in this great work. But the first thing that's got to happen is he's got to get permission from the king of Persia. And the reason that little tagline, that little note is on there after his prayer at the end of chapter 1 is he's letting us know that he is in this unique position. And we should see and recognize that it's by the hand of God. It's divinely put there. He's in this unique position to have access to the king. To have a close enough relationship to the king that when he walks in looking all sad, the king goes, what's wrong with you, buddy? Well, he didn't say it like that, but you get what I'm saying. We have the same kind of access 
maybe better access, greater access, not to the king of Persia, but to the king of kings and lord of lords. We're able to go before him and, ta and take our needs and, and our requests to him and present them to him. Uh, we're able to go for, before him in prayer and thanksgiving. So as we look at this, when Nehemiah approaches the king of Persia, it's obviously going to be respectful. If you go through and read chapter 2, you would see that. When we approach God, I almost feel like we have in our head almost like he's our servant. Are supposed to do whatever we tell him to do, whatever we command him to do. Could you imagine Nehemiah going before the king of Persia with that kind of, uh, of attitude, like the king of Persia is just supposed to do whatever, you know, whatever he wants? Or we treat God or we think of God like he's some sort of magic genie that might grant our wishes? Or do we treat him like we're not even sure and we hope maybe by some chance that this might work, that it's some sort of last-ditch effort? We need to recognize who God is and approach Him in the same way that Nehemiah did in adoration and in praise and in recognition of who He is. I think a lot of our problems would not seem quite so big if we would, if we would, go, uh, if we would get, begin our prayers like this and recognize just how big the God is that we, uh, that God is that we get to approach and bring these things to. Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning that though this, king, this earth may have its kings, there is a king in heaven who is in charge of all. And when you've got a problem, just keep in mind that the solution to that problem is to first approach the throne of grace. Now I'd like for you to take notice here for just a second that in the middle of verse 6, he says, I pray before thee. He says, I, I, maybe I should read it to you. In the middle of verse 6, he says, which I pray before thee now, day and night. That's how the Bible teaches us to pray. In 1 Thessalonians, if you go over to the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it's in one of the verses that it's one of the verses that Ruby read to us this morning. It literally says, pray without ceasing. That's how we're to pray. We are to pray without ceasing. And in that same book in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, Night and day, praying exceedingly. There is, if you look at the beginning of chapter, or ver, chapter 1, verse 1, and, and then compare that with chapter 2, verse 1, you see that there is over three months, maybe close to four months, that has taken place between when word comes to Nehemiah, he hears it, it has such a devastating, heartbreaking effect on him that he literally, I mean, do you see him? He hears it and he just, the, it hits him so hard he just sets down right there. 
and he breaks down and begins to weep and to pray, and he begins to fast. It is probably nearly four months uh, of, of this kind of prayerful uh, attitude. It doesn't tell us how long he fasted in there, but however long he fasted while he prayed in there, it is nearly four months before he approaches the king of Persia. Friend, have you ever had a problem that so consumed you that you couldn't get it off of your mind? Well, let me tell you something. Every problem is a call to prayer. And we ought to be praying day and night calling on God, interceding before God without ceasing, right? Scripture tells us, pray without ceasing. Here Nehemiah comes, right? Beseeching God, here he comes, right? Uh, with, 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 with adoration, right? Love and re- great love and respect. With, with, in a worshipful heart, right? He comes before him, uh, before God with praise on his lips, right? And in recognition of who God is. And here he is. He spends this four months there. You can see it this way there at the feet, at the feet of the throne. Pouring his heart out to God. Crying and weeping for his people. Church, I'm going to stop right there this morning. Uh, uh, Lord willing, I'll finish tonight. That's the point this morning. That's what we need to take home. Look at the condition that things are in. You ever seen a time like this before? I mean, those of you that are older than I am, maybe you have, but I haven't, not in my lifetime. We're fast to moan and groan and gripe about it. Maybe we get angry. Maybe when we see things, you know, talking about it on the news, on TV or whatever, we're ready to throw something on our TV set or break our TV set, Right? We're disgusted by it. But are we moved to pray? In a national sense, I don't mean in a Christian sense, but in a national sense, our brethren are dying and going to hell. In a national sense, we see... uh, Drug problems and abuse uh, that are just unbelievable. In a, in a national sense, in our society, our culture, we see moral and spiritual bankruptcy, decay, destruction, wickedness. There's a few years ago would have just been unfathomable. Wouldn't even have thought, couldn't even have believed.
Why aren't we moved to pray? Why, why doesn't it break our heart enough that we are so consumed with it we don't even... We don't even care about eating. We don't care about doing anything else. We are broken, weeping for, before the Lord. Weeping before the Lord for our children and our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, our neighbors, uh, our, our friends, our, uh, I mean, our fellow Americans. Why is it? How is it that we have grown so cold and so indifferent that we can basically just shrug our shoulders and go on. Church, I'm begging you. If your heart is not broken, pray that God breaks it. We have got to be a people of prayer. If we're going to see anything happen, if we're going to see anything change, we're going to have to become a people of prayer. We talk about revival a lot, and we've had good revival services here. But we've not had revival like I'm talking about on a national sense, right? Sweeping across our land, not, not even really across our community. It's not going to happen until we become so broken that we, that we get down before God and we weep and we pray. There are so many things in this prayer, and I'll, I'll work on bringing some more of them out tonight, Lord willing. But I'm telling you, it begins, right? What's the point in the rest of it? What's the point in the other things I was going to bring out about this prayer if we don't even care enough to pray, if we're not even moved enough to cry out to God about it? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? God dealing with your heart about something, would you come and cry out to him this morning? Whatever the need is here this morning, don't miss out. Don't miss this opportunity. Spirit of God dealing with you. Be obedient. Come, come here and, and, and kneel before him and pray this morning. Whatever the need is, would you come? Would you come?